to honor America with the performance of the national anthem, eight-time Grammy Award winner, Chris Stapleton. Jose and you see by the dawn's early light was oh, so proudly we hailed at the twilight exclaiming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight oh, the around the edges little raw welcome back top of the second hour of today's road warrior radio broadcast this monday march 6 2023 and uh we'll get back into the vivek ramaswamy stuff in a minute to the phones for now mike in kentucky thanks for calling welcome oh do we what happened am i I here there we are are. am i here Mm -hmm. oh you're there so uh, until I get that, when I get there, it'll be another here, though. Uh, anyway, um, shoot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you play the National Anthem, Chris Stapleton. Uh, I forget where he's from, but there's a couple of those younger country artists that are from just up the, up the way here, about 50 miles in, in Johnson County. But uh, there's, uh, you know, you were talking, what was it? The religion of America, my co- and I've heard that years ago, my country right or wrong, and I'm thinking there's a lot of people that are my church right or wrong, you know. That kind mm-hmm. of preaching was good enough for my dad or my grandpa, and and uh, whether they're edified or not, that's where they go. You, what did you mention, Southern Baptist? or? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Harold Bloom, speaking of America's religion. Mm-hmm. Well, Harold, uh, Bloom, the, Harold Bloom wrote in the American religion, Southern Baptists call themselves Christians, but like most Americans, they are 
closer to ancient Gnostics than to early Christians, and that's that's a that's an uncomfortable fact. Most it's, I got a you know, dog that got loose here. I was trying pointing to, to the Southern Baptists in particular as you know, kind of the bedrock of Orthodox Christianity, and most people. Don't, they're not intimately acquainted with the familiar or with the authentic, so they uh, they don't they can't spot the counterfeit when it arrives. So, well, you got to spend a lot of time with the real thing, and uh, in order to recognize uh, subtle problems with the counterfeit, because well, how's that old saying go about rat poison? You just need about ninety five percent good food and. Right, five percent or less is poison. Speaking of that, but, you know, I'll, I'll just say publicly, I have mentioned, gosh, I don't know, in the last year or so, I mentioned um, which Rick Joyner book is it? And you know, I mean, I've talked about his whole Knights of Malta thing, and that's just you know unacceptable. So all of it's well, unacceptable. What was, you, what was it you compared the Southern Baptists to uh, Gnostics? Mm-hmm. Rather than I early didn't, Christians, Harold Bloom did the, the okay. famed literary critic. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to wonder from some of the stuff that I've been reading about early Christians and the uh, the Nazarenes. Uh, I believe it was Pliny the Younger instead of Pliny the Elder that said, and maybe that's a joke. I don't know. I've I've yet to look that up. But it said James, the brother of Jesus, uh, and. Of course, that's controversial in itself. People are like he didn't have no brothers. Mary didn't have any children after that. But I'm sure uh, Joseph supposedly was an older guy. He, he might have had other wives before Mary that died or something. But either way, James, the brother of, of Jesus, supposedly was vegan, according to that ancient authority. I don't know if you've read that. And the uh, the Nazarenes practiced that sort of. Uh, Lifestyle. Well, we're sort of we're getting a we're getting a field here. We we need to get well, back to the Vivac stuff. This early, is early Christians is what matter. I was, well early Christians is what I was getting at. You com- right. uh, he was compared. Whole uh, first hour was Vivek Ramaswamy, and we want to sort of dial in on that. We'll d- we'll deal with this stuff. I don't know. Upcoming this week, probably. <laughs> so. Yeah, worth looking up to see, I think. And I'll try to dig further for that because I, I don't remember where I had heard that, but in the topic of early Christians, there's there's a lot to be wondered about because there's not a lot of records. Sure. And, Do you have a thought well, on Vivek? We played some extended clips of Vivek. I got no idea. I, got, I heard uh, the, okay. the candidate, I think, you know, I I had a, quite a bit of hope in Ross Perot, and I thought, you know, Ron Paul might get somewhere. And then at the last minute, he held his own own convention, you know, because I guess he had to spend that money still on that campaign specifically. I don't know why Do you he have did a thought that. on Vivek, though? That's what I'm saying. I, if he gets very far, something like that's probably going to happen because these, these uh, people are so entrenched and have their own uh, vast treasure of sponsors out there, you know, be it Soros on one side or <clears throat> or the Oracle of Omaha on the other, and and you can't get in the way of corporatism because there's just so much funny money it floating around. Seem, and, it would seem. And then, well, you would hope, but, I mean, uh, 
If he's right, though, you know, if you can get out in front of the the uh, machine, the establishment propaganda machine, I think he's right. I think an eighty twenty landslide is possible, and then it's up to the electoral college, and we would know. We would know. I think uh, we would see it right out in plain sight. I think people would see what I keep trying to talk about with the national election pool and so on. Well, the only other option I see. So if this doesn't work, is to only vote in local elections. I know we got that one guy, a couple of people maybe on RBN now, advocating to send off these uh, affidavits or del- you know make sure they're delivered to your Secretary of State and that you are a uh, citizen of the state in which you were born and a national and get a passport or something. Because it seems constantly we have to swear under penalty of perjury we're a U.S. citizen and to vote, to get a whatever. Like 14th you know. Amendment. Right. And and every year that's got to be renewed. Each president is essentially a new government. Each Congress is essentially a new government. We're kind of a field. I want to get back to the vet. What I'm getting at is we've got the only other option to get a candidate like him in is to only vote in local elections. And then the credit of the United States would imply. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. We're going to we're going to jump and we're going to play a couple more clips. That's seven minutes. So. Back to Vivek. Uh, this one, what is this? Companies care more about their ESG score than investing. 1776 issue. Go ahead, please. Can you uh, break down how uh, uh, ESG uh, was sold, meaning why did some people think this was a good idea and why do you think it's not a good idea? So so the origin story of the modern version of it starts with the 2008 financial crisis. Okay, what happened in the 08 crisis – actually, there's two things that happened in 08 that were really interesting in the back of the 2008 financial crisis. One was a mistake made by the Republican Party, which was to bail out the big banks. That was – I remind you, Hank Paulson, an alumnus of Goldman Sachs, who used taxpayer money to bail out Goldman Sachs under President Bush. That happened. And what – happened in response to that was you had a left-wing backlash. By the way, I think that was crony capitalism all the way down. I was a critic of it at the time. I remain a critic of it today. There was a left-wing backlash that said, you know what? If that's the way you're going to behave, then we, Occupy Wall Street, want to take money from all of those wealthy corporate fat cats and bankers and redistribute it to poor people to help poor people. Mm -hmm. Agree or not, that is what they had to say. It was a coherent coherent response, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Now, Right around that time, a second trend was happening in, in sort of the political, socio-political life of our country. Barack Obama was elected as president of the United States. There was the birth of a new strand of the left. So not the Occupy Wall Street left, but a new strand of the left that said, mm, you know what? It's not quite economic injustice or poverty that we care about, not just that. There's, there's the real problem that has to do with racism and misogyny and bigotry and climate change. That's a – become a big one. The biggest now. one. Yes, the biggest, biggest, yeah. biggest one of all, right? I, mean, I, I think wokeism is one religion. Climatism is a religion that dwarfs wokeism by comparison. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, they said this is, this is the sort of the new theory of the case. And what happened was that this was the opportunity of a generation for big business in this country, for Wall Street in particular. Because if you're Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street, it's a pretty tough pill to swallow, bitter medicine, okay? Right. The new woke stuff is pretty easy. You applaud diversity and inclusion, put some token minorities on your executive ranks or your boards or whatever, muse about the racially disparate impact of climate change after you fly on that private jet mm-hmm. in Davos. It's good work if you can get it. 
but they didn't do it for free. And that's what this whole ESG stakeholder capitalism thing is about. They made a new demand to the new left that says you look the other way when it comes to leaving our corporate power intact. And so it's this sort of arranged marriage actually. My parents are from India. They had an arranged marriage. That, that was the good kind. You're like, I know kind. it all too familiar. Yeah. I get it. I mean, there's, there's. I, I didn't mean to like use that term yeah. in a negative sense. They had a good kind of arranged marriage. But this, this is, this is not an arranged marriage of love. Okay, this is, this is mutual prostitution. Each side gets something out of the trade, and the net result of that, the bastard child, was the birth of this ESG movement, the ESG industrial complex, this apologist model of capitalism that says you have to advance these progressive agendas as a way of atoning for your sin in the 2008 financial crisis, but even more as a way of, if you can't beat them, buy them. And that's effectively the mutual codependent relationship between a progressive movement that used to hate big business, but instead got in bed with them. And together, you know, big banks, woke millennials get in bed, they birth woke capitalism, and they use that to sacrifice Occupy Wall Street, which they put up for adoption. So anyway, that's a little bit of the history of this game. What, why am I upset about it? Yes, Milton Friedman correctly said that this would make businesses less efficient and they would be less good at making widgets and then that shrinks the size of the economic pie and we're all worse off. And we all know that old school conservative, classical conservative, neolibertarian argument. I I actually agree with most of it, by the way. But that's not what gets me going on this issue, okay? My concern was not that politics would infect capitalism, not just that, but that capitalism would infect democracy. Because what this worldview says is that the way you settle questions like climate change or systemic racism or whatever it might be is not the way we do it here in America, which is through free speech and open debate in the public square where every person's voice and vote counts equally. That was the bargain we struck in 1776. For better or worse, that's how we do it over here. But that we got to go back to doing it the way they used to do in the old world. Back in old world aristocratic Europe where a small group of business elites and labor elites and church elites got together behind closed doors and decided what was right for the rest of society at large. And that's why I I sort of try to educate people. This is not a Republican versus Democrat 2022 or 2023 issue. This is a 1776 issue, and it's a question of how you settle disagreements in a society. Is it as citizens with an equal voice through a democratic process? Or is it through some type of aristocratic monarchical structure where some guy named Larry Fink sitting on Park Avenue gets to use your money to tell you what kind of society he will create, even if it's one you didn't vote for? So I was watching. So so we got to hurry up and sort of cram the next clip in. Same video. Companies care more about their ESG score than investing. This is Vivek Ramaswamy, 2024 presidential candidate now. So now he explains how the BlackRocks are using shareholders' money to vote companies into ESG submission. This is fantastic, too. Go ahead, please. The question they skip is, who gets to decide what is positive or not? If these are contested public Mm -hmm. policy issues, that means they're contested because people, human beings, citizens, disagree about it. And we have to decide what's the way we work out our differences. Is it through force, including economic force? Or is it through a process of debate in a democratic body politic? I thought we lived in the latter. Old world Europe, and actually, in fairness, by the way, I just want to say something to be fair about this. For most of human history, that's not how it's been settled. Okay? This is a relatively new idea. I mean, it existed in ancient Greece in some sense. But in modern history, this is a relatively new idea. 
you actually have most questions that were settled through force, either physical force or through other elite intervention. So this American thing we got going on here, this is a departure from history, but that's the experiment that I signed up for, or at least my parents signed up for. I signed up for by being born here. My parents signed up for by coming here. That was the American way. And so to me, that's the first question is who gets to decide what the right answers are. But the second thing is what's going on with ESG right now is different. That is to say it goes beyond what was going on with the sustainable or the socially responsible investing SRI movement. So what they were doing was saying – and by the way, when I was a student at Harvard, the endowment at Harvard, you know, some people $60 joke, billion. Dollars. You know, yeah. Some people joke around that Harvard is a giant hedge fund with a college attached sure, to it. correct. Right? So what they would do is they would kind of use their capital to divest from Sudan or di- divest from conflict areas and then take a lot of credit for it and issue nice press releases. That was what socially responsible investing was about mostly is divestment. Okay, take the bad sectors – Pick whatever you think is bad, tobacco, coal, oil, Sudan, cigarette, you know, whatever, gaming, mm-hmm. firearms is a big one. Divest. And then hopefully if you divest, that will then cause those companies to change their behavior. What ended up really happening was that we have deep, liquid global capital markets. So if those stock prices go down, for example, or asset prices go down, the inherent worth of the activity, the commercial value of it hasn't changed That just created an opportunity for somebody else to buy it up instead. And so what ended up happening is the guys who want to issue the press releases end up giving up return. The guys who don't care about the press releases would rather stay anonymous end up being the other side of that trade. They just get to buy it at a lower price. And that's why UT's University of Texas's system has outperformed Harvard's endowment because Harvard got out of fossil fuels while the University of Texas didn't over the course of 2022. Mm -hmm. So what the ESG movement does is one step – goes one step further than that, and this is where I'm focused, okay? BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, these are three of the largest financial institutions. They manage about $20 trillion, almost as much capital as the U.S. GDP in the hands of three institutions. Mm-hmm. But what they're mostly doing isn't just the socially responsible investing thing through their ESG funds. It's a common misconception. That's a tiny, tiny, tiny part of what they do, like less than 2% or something, okay? Most of what they do – is they're actually just providing index funds to the general population, people who think they own the S&P 500, mm-hmm. who think they own Apple and Nike and, and you know whatever, you named the company, Exxon, Chevron, et cetera. But the key is they're not divesting through those funds. They're investing in the whole market. In fact, who are the top shareholders of Disney and Paramount Pictures, of Apple and Microsoft, of Exxon and Chevron? It's the same companies. <laughs> actually, it's the same large shareholders are the institutions that hold these firms They're using the money of everyday citizens to do it, but they're changing the behaviors of those underlying companies by voting their shares and by advocating for policies in the boardroom that change the companies themselves. So here it's not divesting from Apple because they didn't do a racial equity audit. It's being invested in Apple and making Apple do a racial equity audit at their company last year that Apple itself did not want to do. Apple's board said, absolutely not. BlackRock and State Street said, "Um, actually, you're going to do it because we're your shareholders and we're the ones that demand it. Now, the funny part is it's not like Larry Fink or BlackRock is the actual shareholder. It's probably most listeners to this program whose money is invested in their funds but don't know that their money is being voted in this direction. So that's the key with the the main – where the main action is on the ESG debate isn't the divestment game. It's the voting game. So if you like – There you go. Did you catch that? This guy knows what he's talking about. 
how many politicians can you find can ar- articulate the problems that we face in America as well, or even at all, quite frankly, but as well as this guy? Holding Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. Neath the starry sky. Nice. Another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure. The enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. Nice work if you can get it, and you can get it if you try. Strolling with a one girl, sigh and sigh after sigh. Nice work if you can get it, and you can get it if you try. Just imagine someone waiting at the cottage door, where two hearts become one, who could ask for anything more. Loving one who loves you, and then taking that vow. 
Nice work if you can get it And if you get it Won't you tell me how All right, welcome back. Fun stuff. Why play that? Did you catch it? Is Vivek a Sinatra fan? It's not good work, kid. It's nice work. What do I mean? Can we can we play that clip one more time, please? New woke stuff is pretty easy. You applaud diversity and inclusion, put some token minorities on your executive ranks or your boards or whatever, muse about the racially disparate impact of climate change after you fly on that private jet mm-hmm. in Davos. It's good work if you can get it. But they didn't do it for free, and that's what this whole ESG stakeholder capitalism thing is about. They made a new demand to the new left that says you look the other way when it comes to leaving our corporate power intact. There you go. It's good work if you can get it. No, no, kid. It's nice work. It's nice work if you can get it. Not good work. Anyway, just a little fun there. Uh because why not? Why not a little bit of levity? Nice work. Not good work. In any case, uh, this is a breath of fresh air. Even if you don't get on board, I mean, this is different. This is radically different than what we're used to hearing. We're used to hearing the droning of the chaos magic and shock doctrine and disaster capitalism and another catastrophic and catalyzing event and just the hypnotic deconstruction, the constant um, controlled demolition, and it's suicidal. And Vivek Ramaswamy, if nothing else, is telling us we don't need to buy into it. I think it's, I think it's wonderful and refreshing and, you know, how far – do people get when they how how far afield do you get when you make yourself a cutout of the same political establishment and uh you know i i don't want to go down the donald trump rabbit hole but you know i think the first head scratcher is megavax for someone that's supposed to and, you know, there's more. I, I'm still amazed at the transformation, the image transformation, the overnight image transformation from, you know, bragging to Jeb Bush to, oh, he's a Christian guy. No, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, Deeply divisive figure, deeply polarizing, and there's no question, no disputing uh, how deeply polarizing a figure he has been. Now, if you're trying to foment a clash of civilizations, there's no better way than to introduce somebody so deeply divisive Uh So anyway, enough about that. This guy that we've been focusing on, Vivek Ramaswamy, starting today with his uh, CPAC speech from last week, 2023 CPAC speech. This is this is different stuff. This is different 
ground. I mean, dare I say, I feel like we've taken a trip back into the late 1960s. You know, kind of the, well, throughout the 1960s. You know, from about, I don't know, November 22nd, 1963 to, you know, throughout the 60s, where we sort of felt like we shot out into the stratosphere somewhere, into Never Never Land. Now we've come back to that moment, I think, and our feet are back on the ground. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I wasn't there. I wasn't born yet. But from what I understand, and I've done a little bit of homework, not a lot, and, you know, you have to sift through what you're being led to believe and told to think and all of that. I've tried to do that, and from what I understand – Something different was happening. And if Bobby Kennedy was elected, something different. You know, I mean, interesting stuff was happening. There were there were some deals that were made that were not uh, made good. And um, some double-crossing of interests that helped, apparently, you know, get folks in office and um, it seemed like there was a, an attempt to put us on a better path in America generally speaking at the expense of large interests so could this be something different time will tell stick around we'll be right back You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Extendivite, a seven-herb combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. Extendivite is designed to strengthen the heart and arteries and help the body heal itself. Doctors are not able to explain the improvements they are seeing in their patients' health who are taking Extendivite. People who once needed more pills are now taking less and getting better. Due to the unexplainable improvements in their patients' health, more doctors are calling to order Extendivite for themselves. Help Extendivite make your doctor a believer. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822, that's 1-877-928-8822, or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, in trying so many different coffees that were so good and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S. I was so disappointed with the coffee so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee, it's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, 
you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. this here's here's here two thoughts two thoughts we'll play another clip we'll go to the phones in a second we'll play another clip two thoughts uh first problem you know doing a google search the google potemkin village says if i do a search for vivek ramaswamy i get google says about 4.85 million results uh, if I do a search for Donald Trump, I get about 312 million results. And 312 million results for Donald Trump is absurd. That's ridiculous. So there's proof of the Potemkin village right there. Uh, those numbers are not reliable. Malcolm X comes to mind. Don't ever let your enemy define terms and tell you how many of you there are and how many of them there are. It's ridiculous. So – Second thought is, you know, that's the first thing. Visibility. I look at all of these videos, you know, like the clips that we played. Um, Vivek CPAC speech as of this morning, less than 60,000 views. Clips that we played, uh, 
the videos, 442,000 views and 24,000 views respectively. That's not many, obviously. Who's familiar with this guy? And you try to say his name, uh, you know, good luck. That's a hurdle. But um, second thought is, you know, if nothing else, this guy, I think, has a real chance to disrupt in a good way the political establishment. And I think some people are sort of on the ropes. I want to come back to this. You know, listening to Nimrata, you, you, I mean, if you listen to Vivek and then you listen to some other stuff, and we'll do that in a second. We'll play another clip. But you go, okay, I see the I see the uh, the wizard's magic being wrought here. I see what you guys are doing over all of this stuff sounds the same. You know, the image makers over here, and then there's this guy. That's the way it seems to me. And so who knows? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the sky's the limit. We'll see what happens. We'll talk more about that as we go along. See thing, how things unfold but uh, and shake out. But I'm excited. So let's go to the phones real quick and uh, grab Tom in Utah. Tom, thanks for calling. Welcome. What's good really morning. kind of disturbing is if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be sure. true. No disagreement there. Well said. Yeah. That's it. Is he a spoiler or what? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that he's for real. I want to say I he might be a good advisor to Trump. He, he he would be a good advisor. I think Trump would be a good advisor to him. You know, he could play uh, Vivek's. You know, Mike Pence. Yeah. Anyway, my, my feeling is he might be a spoiler in that, too. Well, yeah. I mean, Mike mentioned He's uh, really too Perot and, and Ron Paul. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if he's going from a script very well rehearsed. Well, he, he does have some of that polish, obviously. I mean, there is a certain kind of Barack-esque nature to him. Absolutely. I've thought that all along as we've heard the rumblings and now here we are, no doubt, no disagreement there. And, you know, I mean, look at his background, look at his pedigree. He's not, he's not cut from the cloth of the political establishment or the power elite per se, but he's scratching the edges. So. Well, anyway, that's my concern. Yeah, I, I share it. Absolutely. hundred percent. You know, history good tells show. us if it, if like you said, if it's if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And uh, you know, could it be hard to imagine, but possible? And so, do we let the cynicism get the best of us, or do we lean in and hope for the best? So I'm, you know. I'm open to criticism and discussion, but it seems, you know, the possibility and the prospect is promising to me.
Well, we better examine him very carefully. Sure, absolutely. Do you I worry think, about that spoiler Do you vote. think there's anyone in the political class, a political establishment that articulates the issues as well or better? No. Anyone we could trust what more? bothers me is it's too fine. Sure. But, you know, who's Every saying point. Who's saying get rid of the Department of Education? Who's saying get rid of the FBI? <laughs> Who's saying get rid of uh, affirmative action? I said the other day, last week, I said uh, nothing is more racist than affirmative action. And then he says oh, this yeah. at the end of the week. It's an interesting coincidence. I think it's funny when those kinds of things happen. I hope he's funny wearing as a in interesting. Pardon? Hope he's wearing Kevlar pajamas yeah. to bed, Kevlar vest all day long. Don't let them alter your security details, sir. Whatever. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my feeling. Well, I share those sentiments. We just so need to be worthy of the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in this choice. All right, well, we are uh, we got another clip we're going to play. So good, go for it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Tom. I agree. If it sounds too good to be true, it it probably is. It usually is. But like I said just a moment ago, you know, if nothing else, this could shake up the rhetoric and kind of, you know, drop the scales from people's eyes. Give an example. We'll listen to this clip. And we got Nikki Haley, Nimrata Haley, you know, everybody's a sycophant to the establishment. You know, this guy sounds different, in my opinion. It's different. Sure, he has the cadence. He has the NLP stuff. Not going to deny that. Not at all. And so that's part of the concern for sure. Speaking of Trojan horses. But let's listen uh, to this from from uh, this is a bit of Fox News. Uh, the story is titled Vivek Ramaswamy reveals the dirty little secret about uh, of climate religion, all about power and control. Can we play that, please? Number one thing I would do is stop giving foreign aid to our enemies. We give forty six billion dollars in a in foreign aid. You're basically talking about a billion dollars going to Iraq. You look at China. We're giving China money for the environment. Are you kidding? We shouldn't be giving them a single penny. And that was Republican presidential candidate Ambassador Nikki Haley speaking with me on this program last weekend on her major campaign priorities. She joins a field that includes President Trump and technology entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy vying for the GOP presidential nomination. Ramaswamy launched his bid for the Oval Office last month and has made a number of campaign commitments, including ending affirmative action, stopping U.S. dependence on China, and term limits for elected federal government officials. Joining me right now is the man himself, Vivek Ramaswamy, is here. He's the co-founder and executive chairman of the Strive Asset Management. He also founded the pharmaceutical company Royvant Sciences. And it is great to see you, Vivek. Thanks very much for being here this morning. Good morning, Maria. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you going to take this to the next level? We've been talking about corruption all morning. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, trying to hold the other side to account. Uh, you also have major issues regarding foreign policy. What are your plans there? 
So look, I think one of the top priorities is make sure the people we elect to run the government are the ones who actually run the government. And for me, that starts with the presidency. And so you want to talk about actual reform. There's a lot that the U.S. president can do even by executive order. The system works slowly when your first acts have to go through Congress. That's why I've said I'm going to end affirmative action in America because Lyndon Johnson created it by executive order. I can end it by executive order. And I'm surprised, Maria, that not a single Republican has ever, I think, since then run on that premise. Abandoning climate religion that shackles the United States while leaving China untouched. These are things that the U.S. president can lead the way on. But it requires somebody who takes a strong view of the Constitution and says that these are things I don't need permission for Congress to do. Managerial and bureaucratic reform will liberate this country. And I think it's time to get rid of that managerial class. That's one of my top domestic priorities. Unfortunately, the Biden administration main priority is the climate change agenda. This is a whole of government approach and it has uh, impacted the national security of being uh, oil independent, energy independent. Absolutely. I mean, you think about actually handing $40 billion plus to Ukraine with one hand at the same time that Biden was lobbying actually the EU from its Russian oil import ban. The reason is because we've shot our own fossil fuel industry in the foot, and it is because of this climate religion. But the dirty little secret, Maria, that not a lot of people know is the climate religion actually has nothing to do with the climate. It is all about power, control, dominion, and apologizing for America's own success. And the reason why is that this religion looks the other way when PetroChina picks up the projects that American companies drop. Last time I checked, it was global climate change. And also it's hostile to nuclear energy, which is truly bizarre because that's the best form of carbon-free energy production known to mankind. The problem for them is that nuclear energy might be too good at solving their alleged problem. Mm. What they really want to do is punish America and establish this agenda of global equity, which also allows China to catch up to us. And I think it's important we have a president who sees through that. Mm -hmm. Republicans dance around this issue a little bit too delicately. I say it expressly. We need to abandon climate religion in America. That's the easiest step to unshackle our economy. All right, let's take a short break and have more with Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, Stay with us. Welcome back. And we are back with Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, who is uh, efforting the nomination from the GOP. Vivek, how are you going to do this? You need money. Let's face it. A lot of big donors have gotten behind Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida. President Trump has seen an enormous reaction from individuals, individuals donating to the former president. I'm reading here pro ESG Chuck Schumer was the top recipient of BlackRock donations in 2020. 22. It's about money. How are you going to raise enough cash to actually make a difference in the 2024 election? Well, Maria, I'll tell you what I didn't do, which is what most candidates do is ring a tin can and take a hat in hand to beg a bunch of donors for permission to run. I did not do that because I've been privileged to live the full arc of the American dream. I wasn't born rich, but I've built companies and had success and I'm investing heavily in the campaign. But that's not even going to be what lifts this up. What lifts this up is actually a grassroots uprising of small dollar donors that want to take this America first agenda to the next level. Vivek2024.com, V-I-V-E-K, that's my name, 2024.com. What we're actually seeing is a wave of support, even in the first week that we've been in this race. It's actually been overwhelming, drawing people in who, yes, identify as Republicans, but even more importantly, people who are part of this pro-American movement. That's really what's going to lift this all the way to success. And what we've seen in Iowa to New Hampshire is that I think voters are hungry for substance. They're hungry for someone to lead the way, not on the who, some biographical brawl between two individuals. No, they're hungry for the what and the why. Mm. And I'll tell you this, Maria, we are already leading the way in defining that 
agenda with specificity and with solutions. That is why I'm in this race. So how much money do you need? So I think whoever wins this race, you know, they're saying that people, someone's going to spend over well over a billion dollars. Wow. If not even more than that, it's going to be one of the most expensive presidential cycles. But it's going to be driven by the message and the substance. Yeah. The good news is, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a position to actually kickstart this such that money is not going to be our issue. Well, I'll tell the you. The message and, 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 the, and the vision is actually what's going to drive President this. President Biden had a message right before the uh, election, uh, this most recent election. And that was he was going to forget young people's student debt. And today, two years later, we're still talking about the push for college loans to be canceled. The Supreme Court uh, also uh, looking at this. Your thoughts in terms of uh, forgiving student loan debt. Some people say that's going to cost $400 billion, could go all the way up to a trillion. It's a bad idea all the way down. It is a regressive tax. Democrats, in the name of progressive taxation, are actually creating a regressive policy. Not a lot of people know this, Maria. Oh, it's only barely over a third of American adults who actually even have a four-year college education. So you're redistributing money from people who didn't get that opportunity to people who did. And you know what, though? It's just a symptom of what the Department of Education does in this country every day, subsidizing four-year college education, which is also why I've said I'm going to shut down the Department of Education because it does not need to exist at the federal level. Shut down the Department of Education. Okay. Vivek, it's great to talk with you. We will continue the conversation. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy joining us. There this you morning. Go. Thank you, sir. That's uh, that's something. <laughs> I remember some years ago, Ron Paul said, I'll keep going as long as we have funds and support. And he had funds and support and something happened in the summer, the following summer of that fall. And. Uh, yeah. So. Um, and his campaign manager, um, Kent Snyder died suddenly of a massive heart attack and that was one of the things um his wife got sick and um and the campaign cooled if you remember anyway back to the phones larkin texas thanks for calling welcome well i have to admit the gentleman does add something to the debate that is uh, seldom heard refreshing yeah i think so and uh Hopefully it'll invite some uh, real discussion. I actually, yeah. of course, agree with Tom in his assessment that, that it's As hard for I. me to it's hard for me to trust uh, people that are this glib and uh, so well spoken. At the same time, at every turn, no matter which sentence they spew, it's like I want to uh, you know stop just a second and revisit their assumptions as they go forward through their narrative. And so, to that end, I decided to visit the Strive.com website, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at all the big shots that head this uh, outfit, including yeah. its co-founder, Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. and I immediately was struck by the fact that, uh, you know, the city of London has an Indian man that's uh, its mayor, and they even have, I guess, a new prime minister that is himself Indian, and then I'm reminded that uh, Friday you're supposed to have Aman Jabi. Yeah. On who's going to, I mean, these, these are people that are going to explain to uh, people in England and uh, to, uh, you know, dumbed down Americans what's really going on, I guess. I look too at the list of people that are part of this organization called Strive, and uh, half of them don't look Americans. Mm hmm. 
that's for sure. But be that as it may, I'm going to say this. No matter how glib these people that are uh, permitted a uh, platform on something like TV, for example, that tells me immediately they can't be trusted. And I should inform all Americans, because there's not a damn thing about the TV that, frankly, Americans really ought to be even addressing. We need to be having radically honest discussions amongst ourselves and pinpoint the root of the problem so that we can actually fathom a workable solution going forward. I don't think keeping these people that have been in charge of our money system for 700 years is a good idea at all. I thought 2008 was a bad idea. But uh, again, uh, I think the entire uh, financial system is going to be changing uh, pretty radically in our lifetimes. Just It's coming into view as we speak. Absolutely. Like, uh, no, no disagreement but, there. <clears throat> but people like this very glib uh, college-educated, uh, you Harvard know. Harvard and Yale-educated. Yeah, and he's got shiny floorsome shoes and a perfect smile. I mean, he is uh, he's really selling. Sure. No disagreement. And I have said that from the beginning. Hopefully folks know that. Yeah, well, Absolutely. anyway, that's that's really all I've got to land because, frankly, this gentleman is new to me. I don't follow the news. I don't, you know me, Chris, I don't I don't watch uh, TV. I don't uh, go to Hollywood movies. Uh, you know, there's so much that disgusts me that uh, it's all I can do to keep my, my sanity. And the best yeah. way I know how to do that is, frankly, just to avoid contact with most people. Yeah. Well, you know... I can certainly relate to that as well. Um, but, you know, this is why I mentioned what I mentioned at the outset. I mean, this is, you know, this is the issue. And, you know, to sort of borrow, I guess, from Reagan's time for choosing. Um, I mean, he speaks to the issue. That was a very eloquent, you know, uh if if not manipulative, uh, <laughs> I wonder how many times he's practiced that in front of a mirror. I, I wonder if he's been vetted. You know, honestly, Chris, any any anybody that has his face pasted on the uh, Tama Vision for more than five minutes is flat not to be trusted. Period. I don't disagree I, with that at all. Yeah, and and That's I, why I already know. Go ahead. That's why we're approaching with skepticism. But I mean, who is saying these things? Who's who's saying that we should immediately and radically, you know, the the relationship with China is codependent? And you can go further with all of this stuff. But I mean, from the from that platform and from that uh, angle, who who is saying these kinds of things? Get rid of the Department of Education. Get rid of the FBI. Immediately well, decouple from the the codependent relationship with China, you know. Strive. I mean, I I've I've said this from the moment that we started playing this stuff. I I don't disagree with you. You know, strive 
uh, backed financially by Peter Thiel. You know, what can anything good come from Peter Thiel? I say, you know, sort of maybe half humorously. Um, the what I would call kind of the king of surveillance capitalism behind the wizard's curtain. But you know, Strive, according to Vivek, was was established to compete with the Black Rocks and the Vanguards and so on. Well, it just sounds to me like a bunch of rapacious uh, dress for success types again sure. trying to uh, explain to me how the world should work, and uh, you know, I oppose it. And uh, you know, someone like me, if I was to actually uh, say debate this uh, this gentleman. I mean, I'd be constantly saying, well, you know, slow down. Hold your horses there, hotshot. Let's back up here. You're, you are proceeding uh, along a path of uh, assumptions that I'm just not down with. Have you ever considered this? Have you not considered that? What the hell are you talking about, dude? That would be me. Well, it's it's interesting in a world where we've been sort of sucked into the vortex of this paradigm of the Biden, you know, proxy of the World Economic Forum, the Davos set, where Biden keeps saying we're fighting for the soul of the nation. This kid comes along and says it's not a 2022-23 issue, it's a 1776 issue. So, well, it's he's, interesting. He's, he's certainly, he's certainly a, a nice addition to the mix, and I appreciate you sharing uh, this gentleman with me today because... Uh, Hell, I've never even heard of him. Yeah. Could be Thanks. worse. You bet. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lark. Much appreciated, as always. Oh, gosh. We are... That's it, basically. I apologize, Patrick. Um, yeah. The bump is starting now, right? That'll do it for today's broadcast. I... Uh, do apologize, Patrick. Sorry we missed you. Um, interesting stuff. We could do worse. And, I mean, I'm just going to say nobody else is saying these kinds of things. Nobody. So who owns Vivek? Who owns this guy? Because, I mean, he's saying all the right stuff. And we could dig into the nuances of all of these points, you know, whether we go to Quigley or whatever, Harvard and Yale educated, who owns Vivek, I think is is the question. Show me where a man gets his corn pone and I'll tell you what his opinions is kind of thing. Anyway, that'll do it for today's broadcast. I hope it was informative. As always, it truly is an honor and pleasure. Take care. God bless. We'll catch you on the other side. which will conclusively prove George Soros' role in orchestrating the pandemic. But first, dear patriots, the truth train has brought us a conspiracy in our own backyard. Now, you may think you know the story. Now, it's like I always say, there's a whole lot of bull out there. So I'd like to give Soros, Pelosi, the Zionists, the Mexicans, the Snowflakes, and... Stay strong, truth tellers, truth tellers. Stay strong, stay strong. Stay strong. Stay strong.
Listening to RBN in defense of the Republic. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network. 